With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store and Guardian Games, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. I'm John. And I'm Jack. And welcome back. Well, here we are again, back in the studio. We've got some familiar guests. Yes, part four of our four-part, part three, sorry, of our four-part episode with Mr. Jack Dunn and Mr. John Dunn. So welcome back. Great to be here. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you. Thank you. So um, where he left off last time as uh, Mr. Jack Dunn was transitioning from Cleveland High over to Wilson High. And so um, let's get in a little bit. There's a lot of history um, with Wilson. There's a lot of important people later on that Mr. Jack Dunn coached at Wilson High. And he coached the gentleman sitting to my right at Wilson High, if I recall correctly, and his brothers too. So let's let's get into a little bit about um, post Little Duns playing for <laughs> Mr. Jack Dunn, and then we'll we'll work into your children playing for you. Well, uh, I w- I went to uh, Wilson with the thought that there was some potential there, and that was my backyard, Multnomah. So I. Uh, Wanted to see what I could do in a in a sense a foreign area, uh, high school wise, and I'd always seen what I thought was a lot of talent, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a little bit of a transition because I had to make some adjustments, uh, and uh, some people might not have thought it was too pleasant at the time, but basically all we said was you're in the program or you're out of it. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way either. You want to make the commitment. If you make the commitment, uh, then uh, we'll, we'll really get after it. Mm-hmm. If you want to go part-time and uh, off and on, then out of the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up with, what, 11 guys the first year. But I had 11 guys that wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel we were unreasonable. There was nothing unreasonable. Just you're in it or you're out of it. Yeah. And uh, that, from that point on, those uh, 11 guys got us going on the right uh, footing. And and uh, we went on, won three, I think, three city championships and the mm-hmm. Legion championship, state championship a few times. Mm-hmm. and really uh, played to our capabilities. We had very good talent, uh, easy to coach. The kids were responsible in the classroom. So our GPA was probably a three-something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that made my teaching easier. It also showed they had a commitment to uh, whatever they chose to do. Most of the guys 
on uh, one of our ball clubs. I think every guy played Division One wow. baseball. So, wow. so that tells you something right there, the talent level. But they developed, and uh, so it was a very positive experience. Well... You pre going into Wilson, what what was that? Where was that program at at the time prior to you taking over there yourself? They had, uh, I think, they finished last the year before. Oh I wow! Went. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a big turnaround as you yes. progressed. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, how many? So you said you had 11, 11 ball players your, your your first year. At what point did it reach where tryouts? Like how many? How many? What was your peak as far as the, the the largest amount of boys coming out to try out for the team? Well, I don't know. I think it was self-limiting in a in a sense because we got so much talent that some guys thought, well, I don't have a chance of even playing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of limited itself, and uh, and the numbers would pick up. I don't I don't recall having tremendous numbers we had just good talented guys and if you can't be trusted in the classroom it's difficult for you to be trusted on the field sure because Mm -hmm. you're not you're not going to know what we're doing and uh, you have to be there and you know and and that's part of uh, part of the value of athletics is to Mm -hmm. learn that commitment to the other people to adjust to the coach like you'll Mm -hmm. have to adjust to your boss to take leadership to do all of these things that that's the value of what we're trying to teach particularly at that level Mm -hmm. i was a freshman pretty naive freshman Mm -hmm. and i have a little different perspective i think jack's success at cleveland um, his reputation preceded him before he got there, and it intimidated a lot of the kids. Hmm. Well, here comes Jack Dunn, and you know, and basically, like he just said, you commit to the program a hundred percent, or you don't. And that was people didn't want to commit, and I think coupled with Jack's reputation, it, it frightened people. Did, did it, let me ask you this question. So, you know, you, you going out, were, were you the least bit of nervous trying to go out and, and play for your dad at all? Well, I can't really recall. Rich Dodge, who's a great three-sport athlete, and I um, were good friends in the same age. We played on the varsity team as freshmen. Mm. Rich later went on to play uh, baseball and football at Oregon State. Mm. Great athlete. Wow. Um, so here we are, Rich and John, and I didn't know any better. We're just out playing the game, mm-hmm. the game we love, and uh, we were committed a hundred percent. So what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah, it was just natural for you. Mm-hmm. One thing I did do before I left, I asked my Legion sponsor if he'd go with me because he was such a great sponsor. And he says, yeah, I think it's Was this a car dealership? No, this was Watco Electric. Okay, because I know Jerry had talked about um, a car dealership. Bud Meadows? Yeah, yeah, that sponsor and how, you know. That was a funny story. Yeah, yeah, that was a great story about uh, Taken and Jerry was talking about how he was trying to pitch how, you know, he was the best, you know, Cleveland's the best ball program in town and he's like well Jerry you told me last year that you know the semi-pro team was the best one in town now you're telling me this and he's like oh sure and Jerry was like well you were selling whatever last year now you're selling this and he's like well I can't sponsor you but if you ever lose a job you want a part time job come work for me selling cars. Yeah. Jerry's a great salesman I'll tell yeah. you 
So Wilson High, let's let's talk about that. You know, you you coach some really excellent ball players at Wilson. I mean, you had several go on and play professionally. Um, you know, Dale Murphy being one of those players. Yeah. What was it like coaching Dale? Well, I'd never had a guy that had gone on mm-hmm. like that. Here's a number one draft pick in the country. Hmm. And, and the guy that drafted him, uh, Bill White, was a head scout for uh, Atlanta at the time. And he and I were friends. Uh, when I played at Salem, I played with a guy named Carl Keel, and Carl Keel was in Billy Bean's uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was player development, and Carl was the youngest manager in baseball, and he was managing Salem at 19. So <sighs> wow. So we would talk a little bit. He would kind of, I was kind of his support group, so mm-hmm. to speak. And Carl was a good ball player. Went on managed Montreal, and then got into the. Uh, the administration with uh, Oakland, mm-hmm. and he and Bill White was looking for someone that might be able to be a contact point for him in the Portland area, and Carl recommended me. Mm-hmm. So I knew Bill White, and Bill recognized Dale's talents, and I'm, I'm kind of wandering now a little bit, but he recognized Dale's talents and he was probably the first guy to come out and look at him mm-hmm. then we had guys like Lloyd Christopher that no one's probably heard of but he was quite a player and and super scouts would come and look at Dale and one super scout went in talked to our vice principal who didn't know if it was puffed or stump uh, puffed stuffed or stuffed pumped, or pumped. <laughs> and he wanted to stop school and everything so they could watch Dale uh, work out wow. that didn't go over too well yeah. but uh, and, and Dale used to be over at our house and uh, uh, Bill White uh, was over at the house and I said do you ever think your first round draft choice would have been that kid that was running around our f- party room and he said no <laughs> But now I forgot what the question was. Well, I, I guess uh, so. You with Dale and um, yeah. just, just oh, I had never yeah. coached uh, uh, anyone of that caliber mm-hmm. before, and I wasn't able to project ahead. But you had the experience of playing in the minor league system yeah. for a professional ball club. Yeah. Okay, so, there must have been some sort of like. You well, know, fatherly advice, kind of that you must have been given Dale at the time about about a process, whatever that process. Well, may be. I will say this: uh, Dale's Dale's father was a very intelligent guy, and they had uh, they had examined everything carefully, and they weren't going to let Dale sign unless he got sufficient money to compensate him for the risk that he was taking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but. Uh, uh, I compared Dale. I played in the minor leagues with a guy named Glenn Gorbis, a Canadian kid. Gorbis had the greatest throwing arm I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I always compared Dale to Glenn Gorbis. And Gorbis played third base for us in the Arizona Texas League. Third base. And our manager, Buck Elliott, Buck said, Gorbis, if your chest holds out, you'll feel a thousand because if he could just knock it down, his arm was so great. And Buck would always say, you know, 
I I have more of a bruise when Gorvis gets four or five balls down to third base than the catcher does mm. catching the whole darn thing. So I compared him to Gorvis. And it's funny, I thought, well, maybe I have things out of proportion. So one night, I'm listening to a talk show, and Leo DeRocher was on the talk show. So they said to Leo, who had the greatest throwing arm you've ever seen? Uh, Carl Ferrello? I think that was the guy's name for for the Dodgers. He said, you know, and he was supposed to have a great arm. Oh, no, no, Leo says. There's a Canadian kid named Glenn Garbus, and the Dodgers Mm -hmm. had sold him to uh, uh, Cincinnati. And uh, and that that verified. Then I said, well, that takes care of that. I'm I'm not uh, daydreaming. Garbus was that good. Hmm. And and moving from that that point on, um, were you able to, like, Learn from that experience alone with Dale, and then you know, and, and pass that on to any of the other well, future players that you had on your team. I, I don't know because our motivation is to get the guys through school. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only high school but college. And I look back on what I did by signing, going out and playing, delaying college. I didn't get out till I was twenty-six, and it took me five years. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so I was tempered by that. I always kind of thought, well, it, you, you might be better off to stay in school and, and get that out of the way first. But then you look at, now, if speaking from a collegiate level, if I tell you, talk you out of signing your junior year and you wait till your senior year and you ha- get hurt or have a lousy year, and I cost you a couple of million bucks just because I want to keep my ace pitcher. Yeah. That, I don't know how ethical that is either. It's a little bit of a harder sell. Yeah, it, and, and you have to stop and say, is this for me? Is this in the kid's best interest? Mm-hmm. So I suppose all those things uh, modify your thinking and, uh, and impact it. Hopefully, in a positive way. Yeah. So, John, let's let's let you dive into this. What, what, what was your, what's your take on this? Well, Dale Murphy was a great athlete. Mm-hmm. He was a great three sport athlete. And what other sports did he play besides baseball? Played football and basketball. What position did he play in football? In football, when I was an eighth grader, Murph was in seventh grade, and he was our wide receiver. He oh, was really? a great wide receiver. Did he have good hands? Good hands, and uh, not the quickest guy, but he had good little jukes and moves that that got him free mm-hmm. and, and passed the defensive backs. Then, uh, great basketball player. Um, Point guard? He was probably a shooting guard, mm-hmm. I think, and then as he as he started to grow and he became about six foot five, he became more of a power forward. Mm-hmm. And they went to the state tournament. His and six, six five for those days—that's a huge, yeah. that's yeah. a huge ball player. Yeah. And then, you know, as a baseball player, um, you know, maybe Murph wasn't the best baseball player that we had on our team. We had some good ball. Yeah, players. we were mm-hmm. pretty good. But you could see. As he grew and become became six foot five, that he was powerful and strong and, mm-hmm. and athletic. And uh, I can remember in the gym during uh, my senior year, Murph's junior year, 
we'd be working out it'd be raining outside we'd have to go in the gym and he he was our catcher and and we'd be doing some infield practice you couldn't see the ball in the gym he threw it so hard it was scary and uh but murph's a he's a better guy than he is a athlete he's just a quality person and a great father and grandfather i always said about dale uh that he was a wide receiver quarterback talent skill then all of a sudden he's six five he has these same skills in a six five body mm-hmm. you know and so that put together just the absolute perfect combination plus dale's a quality individual mm-hmm. i remember a home run he hit at kelso washington we we're playing <laughs> legion baseball and the wind must be blowing in, I swear, 30, 35 yeah, miles. Yeah, that's what they said, 35. In. And it was horrible. It was one of those, you didn't want to really be out yeah. there because the wind was yeah. so bad. And Murph hit a home run in center field. Yeah, I remember that. And you remember that? Oh, yeah. And I just, we just were in awe that Murph hit a home run was in Was this the junior year? His junior year, I believe. Wind blowing in. Sophomore, wow. junior year. Then I remember one time at Wilson High School, if you've ever seen Wilson High School, there's a backstop in dead center as part of the fence uh, <laughs> configuration. And Murph one-hopped that fence one wow. time. Wow. And, I mean, that's a monster shot. And I know, Dad, you saw him hit one at Jefferson High yeah, School. Yeah, Jefferson High School, he hit one over the left center field fence. And uh, it was across the street... And then there's a side street, left field, the street dead ended there. So here's this street running along mm-hmm. and another street going down. And he hit the guy's station wagon. Oh. It was an old wooden <laughs> station wagon. But you hear a lot of stories. Guys tell me what, about uh, Dale and some of Most of them aren't true, mm-hmm. but that one is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, over to you. Okay, you're in senior year high school but let, let's take a step back you know you talked about freshman year and and so on you know what was this four-year experience like for for you playing with your father at wilson i can't think of anything better it was uh you know it was what i always dreamed to do when i was a bat boy for the teams at cleveland you know, I wanted to be out there playing, and uh, th- these were the best years of a kid's life. Um, playing, playing s- uh, spring ball, and then having this amazing experience on the Watco Electric American Legion mm-hmm. summer team, where Marion Renault was our sponsor, and and our teams were tight and close knit and uh, very successful. Yeah. So tell us, tell us one experience in high school that sticks out to you the most about playing with for your dad. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that. I was a freshman at. Uh, dad, you're not going to like this story. <laughs> That's okay. We're playing at Jefferson High School, and uh, we should beat them. They're they're not real good then, and. And I'm up to bat, bases loaded, bottom of the, uh, top of the seventh. They're up by one run, and, and uh, Greg Brinkley, who was a Portland Maverick later oh, okay. on, 
threw a curveball to me and I took strike three. Wow. And I went home. Dad didn't yell at me, but I went home. I went down to my room and sulked and and really beat myself up. I don't even think I had dinner that night. But that is the one self-deprecating moment I had. The others, other experiences, I, I, I mean... Our trips to Roseburg to play their American Legion team at Doc Stewart's Field, hmm. to go to Klamath Falls and play at Kiger Stadium, um, go to Medford and play at Miles Field. I mean, uh, it was like you were a minor league baseball player. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It really was. Yeah, at 15, that's great. So, what were, what, you know, your senior year at the at tail end or, or throughout your senior year, um, what advice was your dad giving you about the next level of your career going into the collegiate time frame? I think he, I don't think he got too ahead of us and he kept us in the moment and he just wanted us to get the best out of our ability. And a lot of that wasn't physical ability, it was the mental ability. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking... What are you going to do when the ball's hit to your left, to your right, over your head, in front of you? Um, and it was more preparation f- for thinking on your feet like you do later in life, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. when you're in the business world or making a living. Um, and I had no idea Dad was going to be the coach at Portland State when I, <laughs> um, when Roy Love recruited me at Portland State and Jack Riley recruited me at Oregon State. I didn't know where I was going to go, and I decided to go to Portland State so I could pitch and play third base. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea Dad was going to Portland State. So let's talk about your recruiting experience. Um, you know, you just talked about Oregon State, Portland State. What was that experience like for you as a whole? I think it was, you know, makes you feel really good that people want yeah. you. I wasn't heavily recruited. I, the guy at University of Wyoming wanted me. Oregon State wanted me. Uh, Portland State really wanted me, um, but it's not. It wasn't like today's mm-hmm. stand. Social media recruiting. Yeah, no, yeah. it no. was. Uh, you know, you you go down the campus, you know, have a, get the tour and have the nice lunch. But it wasn't as as out there as yeah. today, especially everything football is out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So why yeah. why did you end up choosing Portland State over Oregon State or Wyoming? It was a real well Wyoming. I thought it was too cold to play. <laughs> well, you beat Wyoming in the Western Regional. Oh. Struck out fourteen guys. Wow, that's why Wyoming. Yeah, wanted that's probably him. why they oh, wanted yeah. me. Yeah. Sure. You know, Coach Love at Portland State said, John, you can pitch and play third. You can play two positions, just like you did in high school. And mm. Coach Riley wanted me at third base, and I wanted to pitch too. So. Yeah. It was a hard decision, and but a great decision. You know, I look at back at it and go, my gosh, I got to play four years for my dad at Wilson. I got to play for my dad three years at Portland State. Now I didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just really And then my senior year at Portland State, my brother Jeff's a junior, cool. and my brother Jim's a freshman, and wow. we win wow. the the NORPAC League and we go to Arizona State for the D1 regionals Mm -hmm. 
I mean that. I mean that is three amazing. brothers and their dad. And yeah, just, oh. and that was the first team, I believe, that had gone to Division One playoff at Portland. State. Oh wow! Okay, so that was so everything's a, everything's just icing yeah. on the cake. Yeah. yeah, that year is the year yeah. right there. That's so cool. And we had great guys there too. So, at what moment? When your dad told you, "I'm I'm going to to Portland State and I'm going to be the head baseball coach at Portland State," at what what that moment, what was that feeling like for you, or was it just like, "Oh right, this is a smooth transition for me"? As I look back on it, it was a very smooth transition. I was so used to playing for for dad that it it probably at the time felt natural. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I played for Coach Love, who was a great coach, but he was different than than my father so um it was probably pretty natural and i was probably looking forward to it at the time Mm -hmm. jack was that the right decision for john to make to go to portland state or i think so as i recall we kind of left that up to the to all the kids i know the Mm -hmm. same same thing was true with uh, jeff and then i think when jim came along no one tried to recruit him because they figured it was a it was a waste of yeah, their time. My bother. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. But, you know, I can remember um, in the late 60s when Coach Tanselli at Oregon State was let go, Dad could have been the coach at Oregon State. Mm. Wow. Um, then Coach Riley was hired. Yeah. and uh, But I can remember we as a family were thinking about moving to Corvallis. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how one little decision can change, change the whole yeah. Yeah. situation. Yeah. We, we, we would have never had these great... We would have never played with Dale Murphy and all my other great teammates and had the success we had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, you're in your waning years at Wilson. Um, the Portland State job comes open. And we're... Were you contacted immediately by Portland State asking you to apply for this, or did somebody well, come and ask you to apply? Hey, we got this position that's going to be opening, or did you just apply for it without anybody talking? Well, it. Uh, Roy and I had the baseball school together, and he was the athletic director and the and uh, the baseball coach, and it was just too much to do. Yeah, I mean, it's two major jobs he's trying to do, and I think he just. Uh, Roy's a very uh, black and white guy. I mean, he's everything's clear cut, and he just, I think, said, "If you'll take it, that'll hopefully it'll be in good hands, mm-hmm. and then I can concentrate and and grow this program." Yeah. And Roy was an excellent athletic director because he let you run your own program. Mm-hmm. Just, that wasn't just me. I always say one of, and I, this sounds funny because. In effect, Roy hired me, but uh, I always thought Roy had a very good knack for identifying talent. It sounds mm-hmm. funny, cause, mm-hmm. but I don't mean it that way. He hired uh, Pokey Allen. Oh, wow. And guys that I thought, when it, uh, just on the surface, I'd say, well, that, he'll never get there. And Pokey's the greatest guy, and he got Mouse. Yeah, Mouse and Davis. right on down the Portland line. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, uh, Jeff and Mazaki, and our volleyball, volleyball was was great. And, and he and one day, just th- this brings up another baseball thing. Roy's out doing his jogging, and he goes, Jack. He says, "You ought to take a look at this guy. Every time I jog by and Beaverton's playing Tiger, I really like him." Well, it, I recruited this guy, 
and he played four years for us. Steve Olin, who went on and was Cleveland's stopper. <laughs> and only Portland U and, and Portland State were recruiting him. It's crazy. And yeah. Roy just going by there when, when they were playing. And Steve was killed in a boating accident in spring training in 93. But he was a beaver oh, oh, kid. With the, Cle- the yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland, yeah, that, that incident in 93. Mm-hmm. I remember and, that. And I was okay. at a, it was like three uh, other guys, and yeah. John worked with him when he was just a youngster. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing, I was at a function, uh, sound like I'm name dropping, with uh, Cal Ripken. We were mm-hmm. sitting at the same table, and uh, there was 10 of us. And Cal managed to get a word in edgewise. His brother was there, Billy. Billy. Billy Ripken, yeah. mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I was with Rob Nelson. Do you know Rob Nelson? Yes. Yeah, we're, we're going to be yep. talking yeah, to him. Yeah, be talking. And while Rob was with me, invented Big League Chew. Yeah. But Rob had an issue. He wanted the Ripkins to do something with Big League Chew. Mm-hmm. And Rob asked me if I would sit with him at dinner that night at the National Coaches Convention. And uh, and Cal, when he did get that word in edgewise, said... <laughs> uh, the toughest guy I had to hit off of was Steve Olin. I said, well, that's something. He mm-hmm. says, he was down in here. Dropping down. Yeah. yeah. Before a lot of people were dropping yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. So I got this picture that I found online. I liked the of you at PSU. Uh-oh. Go Bikes. Coaching. Go Bikes. Nice hat. That shows yeah. what our budget was like. <laughs> uh, Rob Nelson. Does One of the most games on the fewest, fewest dollars. Yeah. 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 Uh, Rob Nelson isn't that the lowercase p on our cap? He he did see it on my left breast there. Mm-hmm. That's Rob's uh, instead of a just a block. Yeah, p, he uh, he came up with that as mm-hmm. our as our logo. Wow, um, and <laughs> that's that's just awesome. Um, so. You, what were you majoring when you were at PSU, John? Business administration. Business with, admin, with a concentration in finance law. Okay, okay. I uh, like, well, like I mentioned student. before. I, good you student. Know, you know, both Dave and I, we we, like we also both went to uh, Portland State, God, so yeah, we were like, That's go six bikes. years, two degrees. Yeah, yeah you know, I got. I, I, funny story is, is that uh, so I go to Portland State, taking all these classes, and then I go in and see my academic advisor. And my active advisor, so son, what do you what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm at as far as academically, as far as like my classes. So we got to look and he ran all the numbers. He's like, well, you've got enough credits here and you fulfilled all your history requirements. I'm like, all right, there we go. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing happened to me too. You know, you just kind of wandered in and figured it out. It's yeah. a little, yeah. little different, yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, um, but to, to kind of finish it off, what was your PSU experience like, John? Like, talk to us really briefly about that. It was fabulous. You know, we had a great group of teammates, great group of friends. Um, we had the best baseball facility, we thought, in Civic Stadium with, mm-hmm. with it. I think they called it Tartan Turf back mm. then. Or, yeah. 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 And uh, we played when most people couldn't play. And... Uh, we got a great education, um, and we had a great social life too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're having a big PSU uh, baseball reunion this weekend. That's cool! Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
So that, that would be that'll be fun. I mean, I know awesome. Portland State no longer has a, a baseball team, so and we have an attitude about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can yeah. imagine. Same they, when they dropped wrestling, I felt the same way. Yeah. They yeah. dropped baseball and wrestling. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Marlon Gron and yeah. Westcott are good friends. Yeah, yeah Marlon Gron. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> yeah. What, both what was it? What was it like for you? Because you know, again, David, I've done a, a, a past episode on Civic Stadium, you know, Multnomah County Stadium, and what was it like for you to play in, in such a historic place where the likes of Elvis Presley and you know the the world's fair, you know, the world's fair people having events there, and, and you know there was a ski jump of all things. Yeah, I saw that. I the saw ski that. jump was amazing. Yeah, yeah, you know, at you know this this facility, and then it, you know the Mac, you know, from transitioning from the Mac over to the city, and then having all these historic like football games between oh. OS, you know, Oregon State. I mean, uh, UVO and University of Washington. What was it like to be able to be there? Well, I mean, it was everything. You know, it was Multnomah Stadium when I was a young boy, mm-hmm. and my grandmother Agnes would take me and my brothers to the games, to the Beaver games, and um, we'd go to a lot of Beaver games, and then we'd go wander over to the clubhouse where Mike Clopton mm-hmm. and Dwight James were oh, yeah. the clubhouse The Godfather. Yeah. The Godfather. They would let us come in mm-hmm. and we could hang around the baseball, mm-hmm. the Beavers and the yeah. triple that guys. Oh, okay, and, gotcha. Dwight James. And, Looks like him. That's crazy. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then Dad took us to a lot of football games. Um, Oregon or Oregon State would play at Multnomah mm-hmm. Stadium when they had um, grass yeah, mm-hmm. grass field and there'd be mud. That was mud right and, from Vaughn Street. They took that grass over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Harry Glickman brought a couple NFL teams in. We'd yep. go yep. down and the watch the Chargers, those I believe. Yeah, so I saw those. Them. Yeah. So, so Stadium. It was it was like the big league park for a young kid. Yeah. To play in. Yeah. And then when they got the artificial turf, it was even better. Hmm. Yeah, I re- I know. Um, Jerry was telling us about when Satchel Page came for the summer to play, and he's like, Satchel would be out there in the bullpen in his rocking chair, <laughs> like, just like rocking back and forth, spitting wisdom. Spitting yeah. wisdom, and he just talked about how when he'd go up and pitch, he had this big smile on his face, and everybody was just nervous. They're like, "What the hell is this guy smiling about? He shouldn't be having anything smiling about." But it's just great to hear these wonderful stories of of people that have you know experienced that i mean i you know before the beavers left i got to t- you know go and watch a game or two there and i, I got to say i i personally miss watching baseball at that stadium and i know it's transitioned now over into a a soccer stadium and and what they're doing there and you know they they're not having f- uh, PSU football there this year, but I, you know, because it's yeah. over in Hillsborough. But it, in a way, it's kind of a sh- you know, sad to see the tradition go away at that at Trust that location. Me. Trust me, it's sad for me. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of my f- cronies and friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to interject. My uh, my mother's parents lived on 14th in Montgomery, down by Portland State, and we'd go down there for dinner. And we'd have Raleigh Truitt on the um, radio listening. 
and Sam McDowell and Louis Tion would were pitching oh, for the yeah. yeah, Louis Tion. Oh, yeah. And so what we would do is we'd wait until the fifth inning, and then Dad would take us down to this, the nights Louis Tion and Sam McDowell were pitching, and we could get into the game free. for free. We didn't, have, we didn't have to climb up a telephone You had to just be patient. Yeah. What did you think of the story when your dad first told you oh, about climbing over that? I, you know, that goes against everything he taught me as a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it's so know. cool. No, I've heard that story before, and my grandmother used to speak so highly of Vaughn Street, and mm-hmm. she just loved Vaughn Street and love Grandma Egg, loved baseball so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, my dad, he listens to this this podcast, and um, I know my dad coached me for a year in high school, and um, you know, listening to the, your story of what you're telling about being able to play under your, your father, John, um, brings me back to at least that one year. And I was such a little dick with my dad and just (laughs) bad about it. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have at least had that time having played under my father for that, you know, just that one year. Cause it was just, it was great, um, and, and I know that he tried his best and he tried hard, and he wanted each of us to be successful no matter mm-hmm. what. So, um, you know, I just I appreciate more and more of what what he did uh, for me during that time, and wish I wasn't such a little bastard <laughs> about things, but um, it is what it is. Uh, there's nothing I could do to change that. But it was just a, it was wonderful and hearing and your story about being able to play under your father and you know, I can't even begin to fathom how how much of an experience that was and, and yeah. just precious it is to be able to have done that. No, I look back again. I'm the most blessed guy in the world, mm-hmm. luckiest man in the world. Um, Jack demanded respect. He got respect, and we played. I think more than anything, we played for him. Mm-hmm. Tell us a then funny thing about your dad, because I'll tell you, I got I got a great story I can share oh you about mine. Oh my God! Well, I well, tell him about the quiz, the retirement quiz. Unless you got something. Oh, else. Well, I I can't really recall oh, that, okay. but I can remember one time we're at Wilson High School, and it is thunder thundering and lightning if that's the proper term mm-hmm. and it's crashing down and dad sends us all in and he's mowing along <laughs> he's mowing the infield he's mowing the infield hardcore baseball aficionado <laughs> right there yeah. yeah and so we go back into the into the team room at wilson and billy king our great curveballing right-hander he's a great artist and he's drawing this he's on the chalkboard in the team room and he has these lightning bolts coming down and he's got this caricature of dad pushing the lawnmower and it is a classic we died laughing oh my god that kind of reminds me so it kind of involves electricity so real quick got a funny story so i tell you about my dad being an electrician yeah and so one day my dad's like okay mom wants me to take this old light out in the kitchen she wants me to put in a ceiling fan so all right so dad's taking this light out and i don't know why but he'd never turn the electricity on so oh. he's he's up there dealing with that and then i come in i flip that light right off <laughs> he didn't get to break it oh my god my dad's like <laughs> And I, I cry to this day, like oh thinking, like, God. oh, you little son of a bitch. 
<laughs> so I, I'm glad you shared that story. I can imagine you know, oh your father God. out there mowing the grass and this lightning getting on. So um, thank you again, and I, I really appreciate uh, you, you know your time. These stories are wonderful. I mean, as a you know, I explained to you, Dave, and I explained to you, this is what we want to people to hear and we want to share with our listeners and you know continue to expand their their knowledge about the history of baseball in this lovely area so thank you two of you for sharing this with us and greatly appreciate appreciated it. yep so and, and that'll do it for part three of four uh with the duns um i'm ben and i'm david and you have a great day peace out